Then, with a sudden shrug and an irritated click of the tongue, he stuffed it into his pocket and called for his car. Valmondane, even among a crowd of unusual men, would have stood out prominently as an exceptionally curious study. To begin with, he was admitted by the greatest scientists of the day to be one of the most extraordinary brains of the present era. Lord Darwin, president of the Royal Research Society, alleged him to be little more than a cold, precise thinking machine set on an unusually finely developed human body. His faculty for putting an icy logic to bear on any problem that confronted him had expressed itself in a dozen different directions. As an inventor, he had long since ceased to thrill at the newspaper descriptions of himself as the English Edison. The name of Valmondane was synonymous not only with some of the greatest inventions of modern times, but also with the giant fortune he had accumulated in exploiting them. For Dane was no fool where the business end of his affairs was concerned. He had read the cases of the scores of other inventors, the pathetic fools of genius, who had worked out their lives in poverty, while the overfed paunches of big business waxed fatter and fatter on the golden children of their fool brains. And Dane, being something of the he-hawk, had set about his own business with an indifference to big business that amounted to cold contempt. Very methodically, he proceeded to protect himself with patent rights in every part of the globe before putting a single invention on the market. To be sure, big business made many attempts in the early days to get its grasping claws on his inventions. But big business burned its fingers so thoroughly and so unexpectedly that it eventually and very aggrievedly withdrew. It gave Dane up as a most unconscionable sort of an inventor. It was Dane's pioneering work in connection with beet-crushing plant that made the sugar industry a financially sound proposition in England. His perfected method of milling steel stamped his name on a million machines throughout the world. His new carding machine abolished three-fifths of the cotton wastage in the Lancashire mills. His entirely new principles, embodied in an unbelievably ingenious box of intricacy, made possible the sewing on of buttons by power and incidentally eliminated a moiety of the pitifully sweated labour in the East End. Johannesburg, harassed by the ever-growing mountain of quartz dust sweeping over the city, sent for him, and his investigations resulted in a formula in the after-treatment of quartz waste, which cut three shillings a tonne off the overhead costs of the rand, and stemmed the rising tide of dust. And they were only a few of Dane's achievements. Sitting back among his retorts and tubes, Coldly exact in all he put his mind to, he invented a new bleach which was whiter than white dye. Plumbers knew him as the man who had hardened iridium to such a degree that it could cut glass. Aviators mentally blessed him as the man whose automatic stabilizers made flight almost foolproof and robbed night flying of 90% of its terrors. That was the tally of Dane's attainments. A solid, brilliant roll of honorable work done. Not bad for a man still standing on the threshold of the thirties. And yet, there was one invention, the greatest achievement of all, which never came to the light of day. Dane conceived it, produced it, and perfected it to its last extraordinary detail, and then shut it around with a vast and omnipotent silence. Locked away in his great laboratory, high up among the roofs of Kingsway, 
he brought his invention to its last ultimate degree of perfection. He tried it, tested it, and proved it out to the last degree. Then he sat back quietly to think things out. His possibilities were amazing. His potentialities colossal, frightening. It held out opportunities that were enough to make even the most avaricious master criminal on earth tremble. For that amazing invention of his had given to Valmond Dane the mastery of a million secrets. It held out to him the keys of all knowledge. It put him in possession of information by which in twelve short months he could have well-nigh wrecked the social system. He could, without the shadow of a doubt, have created a corner in money. He could have forestalled every enterprise worthwhile. He could draw on the very wellsprings of secret information.